Hi friends, you're watching and listening to Liz the Magellan's commentaries on the Cosmic Switchboard show. Today I plan to talk about crystals and get into what crystal healing is and how it works. I'm going to walk you through a workshop I gave a couple years ago to a group of people on crystal healing, but first I'd like to start by talking about some of my experiences with people who are misinformed about how crystals work. I can't tell you how many times I've encountered somebody who, when I say I work with crystals, gives me a quizzical look or raises an eyebrow or scoffs or laughs at me. And the thing is, is crystals aren't funny. They're in watches, TVs, computers, technology, and they actually power the world around us. Crystals are a lot less woo-woo than people would like you to believe. And while they've also been perceived as New Age la-di-da's tools, they are actually very strong resonators of frequency that can help you shift your mind, body, spirit, and soul. So let's start by answering the question, what is crystal healing? Crystal healing focuses on energy fields and it uses crystals to heal, balance, strengthen, and align the energy in your subtle bodies. Healing is achieved due to the interplay between the human energy field and the energy field of the crystal. And quantum physics is starting to explain how this works with different terms and theories which I will not get into today. One can experience the beneficial effects of crystal healing in a variety of ways, by carrying a crystal with you, placing crystals on your chakras, using crystals to direct energy and remove energy blockages, placing program crystals around your environment, putting a crystal under your pillow, and surrounding yourself with a crystal layout, which is my favorite, and that is when crystals are strategically placed around the body to direct energy in or out. There are many more ways to use crystals in healing that I have not mentioned here. And again, you are only limited by your imagination. Crystal healing works on the subtle bodies, which are the bodies that make up your aura. And even though most people can't see the subtle bodies, this lack of perception doesn't make them any less important than the physical body that you actually see. It would behoove us to notice more things that we can't perceive directly with our eyesight, especially because these things can be blind spots in which a lot of energetic manipulation and issues can occur. If you've experienced a trauma, it can manifest a tear or an issue within one of these subtle bodies, which can then take root and develop in your physical body. Noticing these weak spots in yourself is a great way to begin shifting your energy so you can heal. And this can be done with crystal layouts or by having a crystal on your person throughout the day. These are effective ways to maintain your spiritual shield. The use of crystals for healing is a form of vibrational medicine. All of the things that you perceive as mass, such as yourself or a table, are just atoms vibrating. Sounds and thoughts also vibrate. These vibrating atoms all move at a particular frequency, 
and this frequency can change over time. For example, during the course of a day your own vibrational frequency will vary. As you feel happy, successful, and fulfilled, your vibrational frequency is quite high. When you're worrying about bills to pay or about work or you get into an argument, your frequency goes down. And when a frequency falls out of tune due to stress or tension, this can result in disease. Maintaining a frequency is, like I talked about in my first commentary also, it's about being coherent. When we become incoherent, we fall out of that frequency and become more chaotic and in disarray. Vibrational medicine brings one's frequency back into harmonic alignments. Crystals, in particular, are effective at harmonizing the energetic bodies because they are arranged in regular, repetitive, fixed, coherent patterns. Crystals consist of a repeating lattice-like structure that is highly organized and continues to repeat. If you were to look at the structure of glass, however, it's nowhere nearly as coherently structured. If you were to draw an image of a human next to a crystal, it would not be as coherently structured either because we have several subtle bodies and factors that impact how we respond to the world, whereas crystals don't. And in addition, we are constantly immersed in Wi-Fi, technological devices, pharmaceuticals, processed foods, lack of natural light, negative thoughts, pollution, etc., all of which have an impact on our vibrational structure. So how does working with something like a crystal bring up your vibration? And I don't mean this in an ascension sort of way. Basically, what the crystal does is a principle called entrainment. Entrainment is when two objects of a similar frequency are in close proximity. The object with the weaker frequency, the human for example, will align with the stronger frequency, the crystal. A real life example of this between people is when a person with a weak voice sings with a person who has a stronger voice. The weaker voice tends to become stronger and more sonorous. The correct crystal or crystals will resonate with a particular human condition to provide a healthy harmonic frequency or a beneficial result due to the crystal's orderly repeating structure and entrainment. So how do you pick a crystal for your particular situation? Well, the first step is to clearly identify your purpose. For example, I want a crystal to help with fill in the blank. And I must add a caveat here to be careful what you wish for. I have a personal example of this with a beautiful obsidian egg I have. And basically, I had programmed this egg and I had it in my room. And it's been in my environment for probably about five years. And one day I was having a particularly challenging time. And I was going through 
some pretty deep and heavy emotions. And I remember saying out loud, why is this happening to me? And I heard, because you asked for it. And I looked around, and of course there was no one with me but that egg. And I just knew that that's who was talking to me. And basically, I had asked to work with that obsidian. It is very strong at doing shadow work and bringing um, unseen, unconscious things to the surface for you to process. And I was processing things that I wasn't enjoying processing. But now that I've gotten through that stage of my life, I feel a lot better. And I'm definitely grateful to the egg for the help it provided me. The next step when choosing a crystal is to look for a few varieties that seem to support your goal. You can search online. You can look in a book like um, one of the volumes of the Crystal Bible. There are tons of books on crystals. You can go to a shop or ask a crystal healer, etc. And then what you want to do is pick a crystal that feels right. And by that, I mean it's a vibrational match for you. Here, you're going to need to use your intuition. Sometimes you'll be drawn to a particular crystal based on the color or the shape or some other connection that you might not be able to verbalize. Another real-life example of this with me is when I was picking a pendulum at a shop in a mountain town that my sister and I used to go to. I wanted a pendulum and there were probably about 10 hanging there for me to choose from. And I remember saying to my sister, which one should I get? And she didn't know either. And then we both saw a particular smoky quartz pendulum wiggle. And so I knew that that was the one. And I remember the lady who sold it to me telling me, you'll have a lot of fun with this. Something else to consider when picking a crystal is what colors are you attracted to at this time? If you're drawn to reds, go with that. If you're drawn to turquoises, go with that. Your body often knows what area you're lacking in and it's kind of like a nutritional deficiency when you crave certain foods, like say you're stressed out and you crave chocolate when you need magnesium. The same goes for the color frequencies when it comes to crystals. If there's a certain color that you're really drawn to at that time, perhaps it would be good to work with that color of crystal also. No matter what crystal you pick and what it's going to be used for, the desired effect is always an increase in one's vibrational frequency or feel-good state. If a crystal does not help you with that effect, do not use it. I recall picking up a certain crystal and putting it in my pocket and going about the day, and my mood changed, I became more anxious, and I wasn't in a feel-good state. And I wasn't feeling very balanced, so I knew it was time to just take that crystal out and put it back on my shelf. There's no need to be forceful about any of this. This is about tuning into your own coherent state and deciding what works for you. And if a certain crystal does not work, there's no shame in that at all. It may work for another issue another time. So the next thing to look at after you've picked a crystal is what do you do next? 
And normally I follow certain steps. There are about six, I guess seven total. So the first thing I do is when the crystal arrives in my home, I cleanse it, I charge it in the daylight, I program it, then I charge it again, and then I use it and cleanse and repeat basically. So I will go into all of these steps again in greater detail. So let's look at cleansing crystals first. When you first bring a new crystal home from a store, it is of utmost importance to cleanse it as it may have passed through several hands and absorbed negativity or the vibrations of other people. Because crystals are like computers, they receive, store, and release energy on command. So therefore, they have to be cleansed of any previous energy patterns, and then they will be similar to a blank tape and ready for the new program. I've had two crystals in my collection that prior to really delving into understanding about crystals, I just brought into my home and I didn't cleanse them. And one was called Moldavite. And I remember putting it by my bed because it would connect you with your star ancestry and it's supposed to bring you into alignment with star ideals and that sort of thing. So when I first woke up to this stuff, I was pretty excited to get this Moldavite crystal into my home. However, I didn't cleanse it and the negative nighttime experiences I was having, basically abduction experiences, they started to increase. And I believe it was due to this Moldavite. This Moldavite was also very expensive for a crystal of its size, so part of me had a difficult time accepting the fact that something that I'd paid this much money for was having a negative impact on me. So basically I came to a place where I understood that this was the problem and this crystal has been released from my home in a gravel pit that's just outside my garage in the back. And if I ever would like to work with it again, I can. Unfortunately, that crystal I think had something negative attached to it and I still don't resonate with it to this day. Now when it comes to cleansing crystals, you can cleanse as many at a time as you'd like and choose whatever method resonates with you the most. One idea is to bury the stone in the ground overnight and allow the earth's grounding energy to cleanse it. This one is impossible in Canada when it's winter and the ground is frozen. However, it might work somewhere else. You can add a teaspoon or a tablespoon of sea salt to a glass of pure water and allow the crystal to soak. Cleansing can take between 15 minutes to several hours. Again, just feel into it and see how it feels. Does it feel cleansed to you? Does your intuition say it needs more time? Another option is to wash it under a running tap until again it feels intuitively cleansed to you. This can often take many hours. My favorite method is to place a crystal or a bunch of crystals into pure water and I add a few drops of Bach flower rescue remedy to the water. I use this method anytime new crystals come into my home 
And basically I let them sit in that water for 24 hours because I want to be sure that my crystals are totally cleansed and pure from any residual energy remaining from the place they came from or anyone else who has touched them. Another option, especially for crystals that can't be cleansed in water, which I'll get into briefly in a moment, is to put them inside of a crystal singing bowl and play the sound and use the sound to cleanse them, which works really well, like I said, with crystals you can't cleanse in water. But I also do this before and after I use any crystals on clients in remote crystal healing layouts. Another option is to smudge the crystals using sage, which again is another good option if you don't have a crystal singing bowl and the crystals are more porous and can't be cleansed in water. With practice, however, cleansing can be achieved by thought alone. You just place the crystal in your left hand with the point directed away from the body and just visualize directing the negative energy away from the crystal breathe deeply for a few minutes and still your mind and then intend that the crystal be purified and cleansed and that all negativity and impurities be expelled from it and then envision all the negative energy being sucked out of the crystal and away and that is the final method of how to cleanse crystals. Now I would like to touch again on if a crystal can be safely cleansed in water this is where the Mohs hardness scale comes in and it's spelt M-O-H-S. This scale was developed in 1822 by Frederick Mohs and it lists the relative hardness of various minerals and can be easily accessed in any search engine by typing a crystal's name plus Mohs scale. So for example, amethyst Mohs scale. Generally, any crystal that has a Mohs rating of 6 or higher can safely be cleaned in water. And any crystal with a Mohs rating that is lower than 6 may dissolve in water, such as selenite, calcites, fluorites. So that's something to be aware of because you don't want to bring a crystal you've selected carefully home and then it just melts away in water. I would now like to discuss caring for crystals. Nikola Tesla discovered that crystals are living beings and therefore it's important to develop a relationship with your crystals and to treat them with the same level of respect that you treat other life forms. I like to send them love and appreciation from my heart center, especially after I've worked with them for the day or in a layout. And even giving thanks for the work they've done with you is enough that they feel well taken care of and I find they respond very well to that. Some other tips to keep your crystals happy. Keep them in natural light. Crystals need natural light and sunlight energizes them. They don't like to be hidden away in the dark or in boxes or drawers for long periods of time. They also don't like to be exposed for long periods to artificial light, especially fluorescent light, which is harmful to the healing properties of crystals. Fluorescent strip lighting has its own inharmonious vibrations that can be absorbed by the crystals, 
And I also think because we are crystalline beings, that's why we don't respond very well to fluorescent lighting either. To touch briefly again on the sunlight, there are certain crystals that will lose their color over time in the sun, and this includes amethyst and citrine and other vibrant quartzes, which for me isn't usually a problem at all because I know which crystals are which. However, this might be something that would be undesirable if you have only a few in your collection, so just be mindful of that. Another tip is to not place crystals on magnetic surfaces. Never touch other people's crystals or let them touch yours unless invited to do so. You can build a program into your crystals to not absorb other people's vibrations. Touching other people's crystals could erase a program or overlay it with your vibrations. So just always ask. It's kind of like, uh, can I pet your dog sort of question. You never know if the dog's friendly or not. So have the same respect when it comes to crystals. And don't pick up and hold your crystals if you're feeling angry or irritable. Anxiety causes negative vibrations that will be picked up by the crystals and will reflect back to you in greater magnitude. So these, again, are very sensitive, computer-like beings, and we must be mindful when using crystals. Next, let's talk about charging crystals. Sunlight charges crystals with solar radiation across the full light spectrum. Crystals, like people, need natural light to re-energize, and the more light they get, the more potent their healing effects will be. I find it's ideal to keep them on a windowsill or near natural light to continually charge when not in use. The act of programming a crystal also uses up some of the energy that the crystal has stored, so you may need to recharge a crystal more often depending upon its usage in healing. You should be able to sense when a crystal could use some extra light, as its healing effects might not feel as potent. Running some water over the crystal, again if it's not porous, would also release any energetic gunk it's collected and then charge it in the light. And now for the most important part of crystals, programming them. How does it work? Crystals hold thoughts and intentions like many computers. In fact, our modern communication systems use programmed silicon chips to do a wide variety of tasks. A silicon chip, which is a crystal, is not activated until programmed by energizing it with an electrical current to perform a specific function. People are electrical beings and can energize and activate programs in crystals by their very nature. Crystals respond best to thought patterns, colors, sounds, and imagery instead of verbal commands. However, I find when I am programming them that I like to say, I intend that this crystal fill in the blank, and then I visualize what that means to me. There is some prep work that goes into crystal programming, and I usually prepare for programming a crystal by looking up its attributes and making a list of all the qualities I'd like the crystal to have. 
If you're new to programming crystals, it might be wise to jot down examples of images you'd like to send to the crystal regarding your intentions for its program. You may, of course, do the programming without writing anything down. Choose what works best for you. How you program a crystal must resonate with you above anything else. These are only suggestions, and it's fine to program a crystal with your eyes open and read your list and ensure that you cover each point you want to program into the crystal. There really is no right or wrong way to do this. Your intention is just what is key. And sometimes I like to close my eyes while I'm programming because I find it easier to send an image and to make it more vivid when my eyes are closed. I find I do my best crystal programming when I'm in a meditation. And in this space, I am able to also gain access to intuitive information about how the crystal would like to work with me. Oftentimes, these are qualities that aren't listed in a crystal healing book. They come from my me team and the crystal itself. And this information has proved invaluable to how I use the crystal in the future. I like to write down any intuitive impressions I receive so that I remember what the crystal does and I can always look back and see the impact it had on me. And if you're just new to crystal healing, I would recommend getting a journal specifically for this so you can record and track how the different crystals work for you. And it's almost like doing a scientific experiment on yourself. You learn what works well for what and what doesn't. For example, one day I programmed eight red jasper pieces and I was excited to use them. Being a red colored crystal, they're very energizing and stimulating. Once they were programmed and had charged, I decided to use them for a layout for myself later in the day. I think it was after supper time. And so I laid down with these around me and I was unable to sleep that night because they were so energizing for me. So now I've learned if I'm going to work with Red Jasper, that's one I would prefer to use earlier in the day. When it's come to healing mental health issues in myself, I found it extremely helpful to work with Amethyst. It is one of the most calming crystals I have ever experienced. And I'd say it ranks pretty close with selenite on that level. I find I like six to eight pieces of a stone because then you can put a really nice layout around your body and you can even put it around your bed when you're sleeping. And the amethyst just really induces a calm meditative state. Being the color purple, it is associated with a crown chakra and so higher spiritual vibes. And I just find it really gets you into a place where you're able to clear your thoughts and listen to your inner wisdom and find yourself again, especially if you've been dealing with that chatterer that doesn't seem to want to shut up sometimes. When it comes to getting a good sleep at night, I found two crystals that I always have on hand. One is Tiger's Eye, which I talked about way back in my first interview with James. But the Tiger's Eye for me has helped with restless leg syndrome or any sort of jumping that you might have when you're in that in-between state right before falling asleep. 
And for me, that's really cut it back. Just even having it in my bed, (laughs) rolling around with me. I usually fall asleep with it in my hand and I wake up and it's somewhere else. Could be across the room sometimes. Sometimes it's just messed up in my sheets. And another one that I find is essential for me in bed, especially with deprogramming trauma and just protecting my physical body from zaps or if I have a tummy ache or if I have indigestion or any sort of physical ailment, it is a selenite skyscraper or tower. But really, any piece of selenite would do. It has a point on it, which I just direct to the area that's giving me a problem. And it just seems to melt away. Which I find more helpful than taking Pepsid or something to help me out. When I felt particularly vulnerable or under spiritual warfare, or if I'm just in a really negative mood and I can't smile... I find sleeping in a layout of black tourmaline really has a positive effect of transmuting all of that negative energy and releasing it from my body's field. Black tourmaline is known for its protective qualities and it's very grounding and works excellently with psychic attack. So I'd highly recommend that if you're experiencing any of those things that I mentioned. And lastly, I'd like to just talk briefly about citrine, especially for us. Some of us struggle with abundance. And I found since I've placed citrine in the wealth corner of my home, which if you enter your house or your living quarters, this will be the corner in your home that is in the far left from the front door. If you place a citrine there, you potentially could increase your abundance, and I found this to be true for me. A citrine geode, which is one of the ones that is open up kind of like a little cave, that is great for holding on to wealth. However, I was unable to find one of those, and I just placed a really cute piece of citrine in that wealth corner, and it's worked out very well for me. So I'd recommend that also. I should add the caveat that this can take time. It's not like you'll win the lotto overnight. And if you do, please let me know because I will switch to a geode then. But on a more serious note, this has taken me several years to start generating abundance. So if you're in desperate straits right now, this isn't going to be a quick fix all. It's about harnessing and honing that frequency to develop abundance. So these are just some of the ways I've used crystals in healing myself and in healing my space and my home. I know there are people out there who believe you don't need crystals to get to a certain place in your journey or you don't need to carry them with you because you don't want to rely heavily on them. And that is true. You don't need crystals. However, you really don't need a life jacket in the middle of the ocean either. But it might be nice to have when you're riding the waves. And specifically when you're riding the waves of emotion or you're subject to spiritual attack like many of us are. I've had many positive experiences with crystals protecting me, helping me to feel more grounded, pushing me into a deeper meditative state, and confronting my shadows. 
So while I don't need them per se, I do find that they are very helpful tools, especially based on my personal life experience, so that I'm actually able to feel what certain coherent or healing states are like. And you get to practice what does the feeling of peace feel like, and then you know when you are not peaceful. And even without a crystal, because I've had that practice and that experience of knowing that positive state, I will be able to replicate it again or have an idea to strive for in the future. When it comes to healing oneself, there is no shame in trying out the different tools available. Just always remember to go within and feel what resonates and discard the rest, which I have had to do with pendulums. They just simply don't work for me. So again, no shame in that. We are all unique and we are all able to use different tools available to us. And with that, I would like to wrap up part one of this commentary on crystal healing. In part two, join me on the other side to discuss how I came into crystal healing, crystal layouts, what those are and how to do them, some more of my experiences, how I deprogrammed from trauma, and to touch a bit on entities and more woo-woo topics. On behalf of the team at the Cosmic Switchboard, I'd like to thank our valued listeners for your support. You are the reason we do this. We are excited also to announce that very soon we'll be offering crystals for purchase through the CosmicSwitchboard.com. To our esteemed members, I will see you in part two. And if you like what we do and you believe in what we do, please sign up at the CosmicSwitchboard.com and become a member. Bye for now.